It's only entertainment. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we got Margo Mikhailif. She is the founder and CEO of Gabby. Margo, thanks for being with us at the Talking Hedge. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So my understanding is uh, Gabby is um, a vertically integrated um, cannabis operations. Uh, you guys are based and operate out of California. Is that right? It's partly right. Um, we're vertically integrated downstream of cultivation, so we have no cultivation. We're really focused on retail, so the vertical integration is really for the benefit of our retail operation. Um, and yes, we are totally focused in the California market. We're headquartered in San Diego, and that is where our flagship retail dispensary is located, which is called Mankind Dispensary. Okay. Are you guys limited? I mean, I know that California is the fifth largest GDP in the world, so you have a lot of options from Reading to San Diego. But um, Washington State, where I'm from, I'm, I'm in Seattle, we have limited uh, six stores per state. Do you guys have limitations down there? And how do you decide throughout that gigantic state of California where to have retail stores at? The limits are, are dictated by the local authorities. So there are limits in, in many of the jurisdictions, I'd say in probably most of the jurisdictions. The How we decide what markets to go into is really focused on what the opportunity is of the dispensaries that are available for sale. We do intend to apply for greenfield licenses, but we haven't done that yet. We're just assembling our team to do that. Or is uh, competition. We look at whether or not there's a lot of illegal dispensaries nearby or in the uh, geography itself because it's 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 fine to to compete with you know legal dispensaries because we're all playing by the same rules but the illicit dispensaries are a challenge so we would stay away from a location that would be too close to an illegal dispensary uh, we look at uh, the retail presence the the is it foot traffic is it uh, drivability uh, is it accessible you know sometimes you can be on a freeway and have you know, 10,000 cars drive by you every day, but if they can't get to you, what's the point? We look at signage. Uh, are we able to improve the signage if it isn't adequate enough? Um, thinking of what else, we, we look at the, the demography, you know, what are the, what's the retail consumers like? Are they uh, typically somebody who would shop in a cannabis store? Uh, so we, we look at a variety of factors. There's probably a few more things that in our, on our checklist. But that's kind of the, the the general thing that we look at. It's it's somewhat planned and it's somewhat opportunistic, it, because we chose our first location to be San Diego, which is a very strong market, and the Mankind Dispensary is a very strong foundation. We're heavily focused now on Southern California. Not to say that if a good opportunity in Northern California came up that we would pass it by, but we're we're really looking more in SoCal. How we want to operate is hub and spoke um, strategy. So Mankind is now our hub in SoCal, and then we'll branch out from that. So what we'd like to do is find a similar hub in NorCal. And so if that opportunity came up, we would jump at it. But we're, as I say, on, in terms of the, the fill-in uh, locations, we're really looking at SoCal right now. I know that Venice Beach isn't anywhere close to where you're at, but I am curious about the market in general and kind of what's been happening post-pandemic um, we saw a lot of delivery kind of get, uh, maybe see 10 years advancements with, with delivery in general cannabis industry, obviously benefiting from that as well. Um, 
what happened to Venice Beach? It, it, there, there was, you know, you had Muscle Beach, and then now it just seems like all of these stores have vacated. Does that provide an opportunity for you, or are you just looking at that in, in horror like a lot of other people? Uh, we're looking at it uh, as part of our overall plan. It's not something that we're going to jump into. So, you know, part of the analysis is where did all the other stores go and why did they shut down? What was the problem in, in that market? And, you know, can we overcome it? We, we tend to like the strong urban markets. Uh, it, it, they're just easier in terms of the demography and the population base that we have to draw from. Okay. Um, you mentioned that the illegal dispensaries and you kind of stay away because they're difficult to deal with. I noticed that Weed Maps took their sweet time um, taking some of those off their website. And I know that there's some regulated stores and operators that are taking an even stronger approach using the RICO Act against some of these illicit stores. Um, how prevalent are they? I know that they were part of the issue, uh, the illicit market, however, was an issue with um, Vapegate, vitamin E, acetate. I don't know if the illegal dispensaries were selling those or not, but how, how much of an issue is it for your business or just for any regulated business in California? It's not, I guess I would say um, it's, a, it's a problem and it's not a problem for us currently. So let me explain. Uh, right now in San Diego, there are, to my understanding, no illegal dispensaries. The San Diego uh, City Council did a really good job of cleaning things up locally. But we are affected by cultivation and prices of flour. So we have our own brands that we bring to market. And so, and our margins right now are, are in the 70% range for our proprietary brands. When the, the, the illegal market or the illicit market in the flour space in terms of sales of, of raw product is high, we, it impacts our ability to generate our own proprietary products and put them on shelf. It also creates an instability in the supply chain. And you know, in order to, to really grow the industry, the first thing we have to do is stabilize the supply chain. So from a cultivator's perspective, the illegal market is much more of a problem for those that are, are operating in the legal market. You know, there are some people that say that there is no cultivator that is 100% operating in the, in the legal market because the taxation and the competition with the illegal market is just too great. I can't say whether that's the case or not, but we are all impacted by flower prices. And at the end of the day, when flower goes into the illegal market and they're not paying taxes, and they can pay a higher price for it, it, it really messes up the, the whole supply chain and the whole pricing regime. Let's compare hemp now, and, and maybe I'll ask you for your crystal ball prediction on cannabis, you know, if, based on what hemp is doing. Uh, my prediction is, is that anybody utilizing um, Puerto Rico, for example, um, are going to be some of the survivors, anybody who can generate higher margins, Puerto Rico being an American territory, but having not, they don't have to pay federal taxation because they don't have representation, can't have taxation without representation. So it's the only place in the world an American can go and not pay federal income tax. So that would be an advantage for hemp farmers having a 37% higher margin than a hemp farmer in California. Once, ca once cannabis becomes legal, then we have those additional factors to kind of um, price into uh, wholesale cannabis. Colombia and Peru already saying that they can get 15 cent GMP certified 
uh, price per gram, including landing costs. Some of them are already in Mexico preparing to get through what used to be NAFTA. When federal legalization happens, I'm assuming Canadian companies selling at $6 a gram are gone. What happens to the rest that are in the U.S. trying to produce when it could, when cannabis prices could follow tobacco wholesale prices at $20 a pound? So I actually think that people talk about legalization and talk about that as if it, it, it's going to open up the market completely. I actually think it's going to be staged. And I think. The- Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.